settling is not an option for me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of For the Girls. I'm your host, Victoria Alario, and today we are getting into all things feminine energy, masculine energy, the seductress archetype, all the really cool stuff with a really amazing guest, Michelle Panning, who I will explain all things about her in a second. I'll give you guys a brief bio on her, but before we get into that, I want to talk about... (laughs) two little things here that I I feel like I never really bring to the podcast but I feel like I just gotta let it out can we just talk about one how underwhelming it starts with us by Colleen Hoover was and two um how in fucking sane the finale of Tell Me Lies was I am going to talk about the finale of Tell Me Lies and tell you why I personally relate and am so trauma bonded and addicted to that show from my own personal experience and I'm also going to give a review on It Starts With Us so if you do not want to hear any of that skip to the 13 minute mark because that's when I will start to introduce the guest and get into the interview let me just say something The finale of Tell Me Lies, Tell Me Lies, yeah, I felt like I was saying that wrong, literally had me screaming, like actually screaming. When Lucy was standing at the bottom of the steps waiting for Steven or looking for Steven, whatever, texting Steven, and then all of a sudden, he just started walking down the stairs with Diana I actually had to rewind the scene three times and I had to just keep watching it because it was so insane. There was so much madness and it was just also so iconic. I mean, adding Mr. Brightside right there, because remember this was taking place in 2008, was like chef's fucking kiss. Like it was just such a feel good moment. And if you guys know me, then you know that like I'm into all the shows of the 2000s between One Tree Hill, The O.C., Gossip Girl, Friends, like all those kind of shows. I don't know why I said Friends. It's a sitcom, but I was just throwing it in there. But like the shows where they like One Tree Hill used to play like Mr. Brightside and all that kind of music. And it just gave me those vibes. And I just felt very nostalgic in that moment. And everything was like, I feel like a TV show hasn't impacted me that way in a very fucking long time like the fact that this current 2022 show on hulu like the most modern age type of tv had me screaming at the tv saying you're fucking lying you're fucking lying right now like i could not believe it because obviously like i knew that they were gonna make out or something i thought that lucy was gonna walk in on them and i feel like yeah that would have been like wow but like it also wouldn't have been shocking because it's Steven and that's just like normal behavior and he's like a snake and he hides things and whatever and so I just felt like it would have been normal but the fact that he just decided in that moment like I don't give a single fuck like I'm with Diana I'm gonna hold her fucking hand leave the party with her I'm not even gonna look at my girlfriend in the eye like oh my god bro I literally could not and can I also just say that I have never had so much personal like trauma bonded to a show ever. Even my obsession with the OC and One Tree Hill, like I don't personally like relate to the stories. I just love the stories. But Tell Me Lies, oh my God, was like literally a relationship I had in college. Back a few episodes ago, 
when I posted like that I was watching it on my story, a girl I went to college with swiped up and she wrote to my story and was like, oh my God, I'm addicted to this show too. And so I wrote back to her and I was like, wait, tell me that this is not me and blank from college like tell me this doesn't remind you of that and she was like dude I was thinking it the whole time like this is literally him to a T that's exactly how he was and it's so true like I was like dating whatever or hanging out not we weren't going on dates we were hanging out like I was hanging out with this guy in college like he kept telling me like that I was his girlfriend basically like oh I'm in a relationship you're my girlfriend blah blah like it it was as exclusive to me as I like as I would think that a boyfriend and girlfriend is, but without really saying like, will you be my girlfriend? Like, but trust me, it was, we were together all the fucking time. Like there was tons of reassurance, at least verbally communicated on his part. So I was certain that we were together. And then it like turned out that he never like really broke it off with his ex-girlfriend. Like, well, I guess his current girlfriend, but it was like one of those situations where he had talked to me about her as his ex, not much, but just, that was his ex and then she like I forget exactly what happened but she like got mad at me or like came up to me at a bar like something like that and I was like dude like you're broken up like leave me alone like why do you care and she's like what that's literally my boyfriend like you're obsessed with him and it reminded me of like scenes where like he would tell Diana Stephen would tell Diana and tell me lies um oh, I don't know why this freshman keeps calling me. She's crazy. She has a crush on me. And I'm like, that's probably what he was saying to her about me. Meanwhile, like I'm texting with a guy that tells me, oh, I like you so much. I love you, blah, blah, whatever. And so it was just like giving me so much PTSD because I'm like, this is legitimately that. Like he was never really done with the ex in the show and also in my (laughs) situation and I was like the younger because I think he was a senior and I was a sophomore so I was like two years younger um and she was a senior as well so she was like older like she was the Diana you know what I mean and yeah it was just like very alarming how similar the situations were and like I just became so addicted to the show maybe out of like a trauma bond but seriously no I was like so addicted but yeah in any case that finale and the ending like of course the ending was like what the hell Lydia like I had to honestly like rewind and figure out like who Lydia was I had to google who is Lydia and tell me lies because I didn't remember and then I remembered it was her childhood friend and I'm like what the fuck is going on so Wow, that was just so insane and hit a little too close to home, that story. But anyway, then the other thing was I read It Starts With Us, which is Colleen Hoover's newest book. It is the sequel to It Ends With Us. And it was so bad, you guys. Like, it was so disappointing. And to me, the book just felt like damage control. So It Starts With Us was meant to be a love story and it was meant to share the story of Lily and Atlas who we see getting together at the end of It Ends With Us. So we knew that they were getting together but we thought we were going to get a story with context between them. Like we thought we were going to see some magical love story unfold between them and that is not the story that we got. What this book genuinely felt like was damage control for Colleen Hoover because It Ends With Us got a lot of negative backlash So it ends with us is about domestic violence. And a lot of people were saying that she as an author was romanticizing domestic violence and abusive relationships, which I do not agree with. Maybe I can't speak from personal trauma or personal experience because I've never been in that situation. But as a reader, I didn't 
get that. I didn't see that the relationship was romanticized. I saw the reality of a guy who is an abuser, but that's, it's glossed over because he's charming, good looking, likable, charismatic, successful, wealthy. Like we wanted to love him. We wanted to love his character because he's all these good things and has really great likable qualities. But the dark side of him is that he's an abuser and it was showing how hard it it was for Lily to leave that relationship and that's why a lot of domestic violence and abusive relationships go on much longer than they should for years and years and years because those good things about them tend to outweigh the really bad things so in reality no it's not as simple as like okay your partner pushed you or pinned you up against the door and you call for a divorce the next day that's not real and that's not normal and I felt like readers wanted that I felt like readers were making it as if Lily should have divorced him earlier sure she should have could have would have but she didn't because she was a young girl in her 20s who was in love with this good man and made excuses for his bad behaviors and that's real that's normal not to say that it's normal in a good way but that's like what's normalized in relationships even in even aside from domestic abuse and violence like there are still other forms of abuse abuse emotional mental verbal and people don't divorce or get separated out of the first time of being verbally abused like no it goes on and on and on and on and on so I felt like that was pretty normal that that's how that story was. But because she got so much backlash, backlash, I felt like this story was, even though she pitched it to us and sold it to us as a love story between Lily and Atlas, it's not what she gave us. She literally gave us damage control. The entire book was about how scary Ryle was, how bad he was. All of a sudden he has no one in his corner, no one on his side, which I get like you got to hold people accountable. But like as as a person that we were supposed to be reading about, he's a completely different character. Like they just completely I, I just felt like she wanted us to know that like she does not condone violence. And no matter how good of a guy he was, it doesn't matter because this is all I want to showcase now that he's big, bad, scary, unlikable, blah, blah, blah. And like, that's not the reality of who Ryle was. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was not a wolf in wolf's clothing. So I just felt like she kept breaking the fourth wall. Not that she was directly writing to readers, but she was writing like Lily's thoughts that Lily was apparently thinking in her own head. But they didn't feel like Lily's thoughts. They felt very forced. They felt very, they were written very like basic and and um surface level like there they weren't thought provoking there was definitely no mental stimulation it didn't feel like the way a real person really thinks which is complex and confusing and you know detailed it was just like this is scary this is bad I give so much credit to all the women who survived domestic violence And like, yeah, of course, these are all true things. But like, I just feel like humans don't really just sit there and think in their own head like that. I just felt like Colleen kept trying to make sure we knew where she stands and that she does not condone violence. And like, we get it. Like, violence is bad. Domestic abuse is fucking bad. But we did not need a Lillian Atlas love story book to tell us that. We wanted a love story. We wanted to read a love story. Like, it just felt forced 
and fake and it really felt like she wanted us to think that we were going to get a love story between Lily and Atlas but it was really more so about them having separate lives while being in a relationship it felt like she just put them together to give us peace of mind to make the reader happy and say okay they're together exactly what you wanted but now I'm going to tell you guys the story about each of their lives separately and give you zero context between them because there was none there was no like highs and lows like it was literally them dealing with their own shit separately and then like going home to each other being happy he's being just like totally obsessed with Lily like up her ass all the time and I'm just like oh my god give us something like give us something and it gave us nothing and again no I am not in any way shape or form trying to make it sound like she shouldn't have addressed that domestic violence is bad of course yes we know but I just felt like it was not the book that we deserved it was really just her doing damage control and now she could be like okay good I let everybody know that I think it's bad and Lily thinks it's bad and there's that so I was just highly underwhelmed because I was expecting a damn love story. But in any case, I just had to get my thoughts out about these things because maybe some of you guys read. I feel like a lot of you would. I mean, Colleen Hoover is like the most basic author of this generation. So I'm sure we all read her. (laughs) And then Tell Me Lies is literally, again, basic like girly type show on Hulu. So maybe you do all watch it. And now we can officially get into the episode and get to know our guest, Michelle Panning, who I'm really excited to introduce you all to. Michelle is an intimacy alchemist. She's a badass. She's a firecracker. And she helps women create unfuckwithable self-love as well as cultivating mind-blowing relationships. And I came across her because a friend actually recommended her. I had been you know, kind of on the lookout for some podcast hosts, coaches that I could collab with that I just have aligned energy with. And my friend was like, you would love this girl, Michelle. She's the host of Unfuck Your Relationships podcast. And you guys like say a lot of the same things in a sense. Um, and, and, you know, you're just totally on the same page. So I checked out Unfuck Your Relationships and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this This is my girl. So Michelle is a coach and she runs a very successful online business where she helps women go from feeling anxious about their love lives to feeling confident about them and feeling worthy and loved and secure and feminine. And we're going to get into all those things in the episode, but she really helps women, all different women, by the way, single women, women in relationships, situationships, everything in between to unlock their inner bad bitch bring out that energy, and become the main character of their lives. So yeah, Michelle is unreal. This interview was unreal. I ask her a Dear Victoria segment question at the end, and she answers that. That is unreal, and I just can't wait for you all to hear this. Okay, girls, please welcome today's amazing guest, Michelle. I am really excited for this one. We just recorded an interview featuring me on Michelle's podcast on fuck your relationships that you all absolutely need to hear. And now we have the honor of listening to her on for the girls. So Michelle, please introduce yourself to the girls. Hey, thank you so much for having me here. Um, yeah, gosh, where to even begin. So I know you've already introed me like professionally. So let me just give you a bit of a backstory on, how the fuck I even got started in this. 
So basically I was a stripper for 11 years. And so I thought that I had like, I was so sexually liberated and like so free and I was so good with men. Turns out that was a lie. That was not accurate. And I didn't even realize that I had kind of a history with toxic relationships until I had, I went through another breakup and kind of had this come to Jesus moment where I was like, am I the problem? Is it me? Am I contributing to the demise of my relationships? And turns out I was. So I set on the, so I set out on this huge, like healing journey and I discovered inner child work and somatic healing and masculine and feminine energy, Tantra, like all of these things. And basically it's been this huge journey of coming into wholeness with myself. Like my intention was not self-love in the beginning. That was not even a thought for me. What my thought was, was I'm going to get so good and then I'll have a relationship. And like, I actually see that with so many of my clients of like, they come to work with me because they want to get the guy. And then they walk away being like, wow, I actually love being single because I actually enjoy my own company now. And I'm like, yes, this is the intention, but it's just not as sexy in the marketing. Cause you know, people are like, no, I want the thing. I'm like, you think you do, you don't. When did you stop stripping or why did you? So I stopped stripping when COVID hit, Mm. Um, but I had like, honestly not been happy in it for a few years. I was very over it. I was very over the really late nights and being around people who were drinking and doing drugs all the time. And I was just like, "Ugh, I can't be fucked with this anymore. And then I was coaching at the time I'd been coaching for a year or six months, but it was like, I always had the safety net of stripping. So I never went all in on coaching because it was like, oh, I'll quit when I have enough money. Like when, 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 and then COVID hit and I couldn't strip anymore. And I had like, literally no choice. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, this is probably the worst time to be doing this. Yeah. But it was also the best thing that ever happened to me because I had no choice, but to make my business work and it's been wildly successful, which is amazing. But yeah, I haven't stripped since then. I did like a couple of days here and there out of pure, like, (laughs) this would be fun. But other than that, and I'd imagine it to be great money as well. So, or at least my understanding, maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine it to be, I mean, I was a waitress at a point. So I know even things like that is like fast cash. So, you know, I would imagine if you're, you know, in a pinch, even it's like, eh, why not? It doesn't hurt. Totally. At the time it was like, I was making like six figures working two nights a week. Like it was fucking ideal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay. So now over the years you have completely embodied, like you said, feminine energy, and you're an absolute master at really understanding it. And really just, like I said, yeah, embodying the feminine energy, and especially the energy of a seductress, which is actually, the first time I ever even heard of this archetype, the seductress archetype, why can't I get that out, was from you on your podcast. So That was the coolest thing to me because I totally understand what you mean when you say like, you know, I thought that I was totally in my like sexy feminine energy 
merely because of this surface level thing, right? Like, yeah, if I'm a stripper and I'm acting sexy or I'm dancing or I'm around guys all the time, I must be. And that's not the truth of it. It's so much deeper than that. So mm-hmm. I want to break these both down, just the feminine energy in general, and then this archetype as well, which we'll get into. So first things first, feminine energy. What does that actually mean to you now that you've like totally embarked on this journey over the years of actually stepping into your whole divine feminine energy? Yeah. So first off, if if you, if you don't know, these energies are not gendered. So it's not men are masculine, women are feminine. I know everyone says that, but I still feel that there's a lot of dogma in the world of masculine feminine, that's like women should be exclusively feminine. And I just don't buy that. I actually think that to be like healthy and integrated, you need to integrate both of those energies. Um, So I just want to put that as a little bit of a caveat, but for me, the feminine is everything that happens. It's your internal world. It's everything that happens when your eyes are closed, right? So your intuition, your emotions, Um, your body sensations, your magnetism, like all of these things that people often get very disconnected from because we live in a very masculine driven world that is like, go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. You got to like, you know, get to the top sort of thing. And so women don't really know Well, I mean people, but I'll speak to women in this, like a lot of women don't know how to like rest and receive and the feminine is the energy that receives. And it's interesting because a lot of people think that they go, well, I'm very in my feminine. Like I cook and I clean for my partner. I'm like, that's not the feminine, babe. <laughs> Super surface level. Yeah. And it's not even the feminine because you're not receiving, you're actually giving. So true right? So it's the feminine has been very distorted. And I think there's also this perception that the feminine is only soft, gentle, nurturing, caring, that very um, light feminine, which we can get into. But the feminine itself is fucking chaos, which is why so many people are afraid of the feminine, because it's like opening Pandora's box because there is no hierarchy. Your pleasure and joy and ecstasy and love is just as sacred as your grief and your rage and your shame and all of it. Like it's all fucking divine. So that's how I feel about the feminine. That's like my description. And then the seductress is such a fucking juicy archetype and an archetype that is very easy to come out in a wounded way. So for me, the seductress is someone who seduces life, right? Like you're not, it's not about just seducing men. It's like actually not even that it's seducing life. You have this ability to pull things into you to magnetize what you desire towards you. It is someone who is really embodied in your eros, which is your aliveness, right? You're connected to your body. You're connected to your pussy. You're connected to your juice, to life. 
so many of us are walking around fucking numb, right? We're just on autopilot going from task to task to task Mm -hmm. and actually forgetting that, oh my God, I have a body and, and actually connecting to that. And so it's, it's in the little things, right. Of asking like, how does my seductress want to dress? How, how does she eat? How does she play? How does she make love? Like, how does she create all of these different things? So for me, it's someone who really seduces life. That's like the juiciest way I can put it. Yeah. I love how you just said that whole thing about really like even feeling and connecting to your body. I was, you know, I watched your stories and I saw your story the other day and you were just like chilling on your bed and just like dancing around and like rolling around and you wrote on it, I think saying like, I love connecting with my body and whatever else along that, you know, uh, those lines, you know, basically saying you're just super in tune with your body and someone who's not could watch and be like, what the hell is she doing? Like just chilling on her bed, dancing around. But I myself, like someone who, you know, also I would say not so much struggles, but like definitely has an imbalance of like my feminine and masculine because I've been so many years like really hardcore in my masculine that sometimes even for me for me I could see that and be like oh my god that's so not me like I can't do that and I get inspired because mm-hmm. I'm like you know what these are things that make sense uh you know of why maybe I do have that imbalance or why I did I mean now I'm a little bit better but you know I previously I actually just posted on my own story today um it's like um let me let me pull it up uh, because I love how you just mentioned it's all about this hustle go 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 you know autopilot toxic hustle culture thing and it basically said on it it's someone's post and it says this girl boss movement is becoming toxic there's a huge shift between women finding their power and creating from the soul And the girl boss hustle culture that we've become drenched in the new way for women is listening, honoring, following the innate wisdom that oozes from her body. Being intentional is about create and rest. And that is the key to her expansion. And there's just a ton more. And I'll give the credit to the account. It's just Samantha S. Kelly is the account it came from. And Mm -hmm. so I posted this whole thread on my story. And if you wanted to go read it, there's tons more. And I went ahead and I shared on my story, just talking, you know, through what that post, what that thread meant for me. And in the stories, I'm like crying because I'm so emotional over the fact that like, I spent so many years, like you said, numb autopilot mode, unaware of our own abilities. And this year for me personally is when I really began tapping way more into that um, feminine energy and expressing myself as the feminine. And I, I, you know, I, you know, I started just reading even romance novels instead of business focused books and certain things that are not action focused, just sit down and rest and relax. And it felt, it feels so good to now realize what I've been doing this year and how I've really opened up this year. And even in the few weeks that I've been following you, seeing your content is like, okay, this was like, this was what I needed to show me I'm aligned, you know, I'm on, Mm -hmm. I'm on the right track and I'm doing all the things. And yeah. So I wanted to just share that with you because it was super connected with what you just said. So if you can, 
explain a little more about the different expressions of the feminine energy. And like you said, that light feminine and, or what they say on TikTok, like the soft feminine versus like the dark feminine. <laughs> I know. You can see by my face. I already have like so much to say on this. <laughs> okay. So what I've seen, what I've seen previously is um, there's been this huge um, upswell in talking about feminine energy, which is incredible. I really feel that, you know, this is so cliche, but like the feminine is rising. We've been in this very masculine driven world, as I said, and now the feminine is starting. People are recognizing the importance of the feminine, which is beautiful. And for a while it was, as I said, this soft, gentle, ah, like divine feminine sort of thing. You know, she like is so connected and like, she makes love for hours and like fucks herself with a rose quartz dildo, like all the things. (laughs) I picture this like woman in like a white lace dress, like running through the rice fields of Bali, like that whole vibe, (laughs) which is beautiful. And that is part of the feminine, like no matter what it looks like on the outside, like that gentle, soft overflow of love, open heart is absolutely a, a huge expression of the feminine. Now, what I've seen is this, yeah, this expression of the feminine, which is the dark feminine, which is a thing. And I've seen it on TikTok and it drives me fucking nuts because it's so, most of what I've seen is so distorted. And it is this like, paint your nails red because then you'll hook a guy. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Or like say this thing or do the siren eyes. And that's how, that's the dark feminine. And this is how you're going to like manipulate a man. The dark feminine has no fucking interest in manipulating. Actually, the feminine has no interest in manipulating. That is the distorted, wounded feminine. Okay. The feminine loves the masculine. She is devoted to the masculine. The masculine is in service to the feminine. They work together. There's a beautiful harmony between them. So the dark feminine to me is the void. It's like pure creation energy. It's pure intuition and magnetism and sex energy it has nothing to do with manipulation there's i think people get it distorted because there are certain people right like you you've seen this energy because you know she walks into a room and she doesn't even have to be conventionally attractive but someone a woman walks into a room And you feel that she's got this something. There's something about her that you cannot take your eyes off of her. Right? And the feminine is all about birth and death. Right? The cycle of rebirth. She's constantly creating and destroying. Right? And so when you're tapped into the dark feminine, there's this ability and capacity to create from fucking nothing 
right? It's like, you see those women, like, how are you making seven figures? And you work like, you know, 10 hours a week. I'm not saying that running your own business does not require work. You and I both know it certainly does, (laughs) but it's like, the antithesis of that hustle culture. She actually just knows that she magnetizes by being in pleasure, by being in joy, by being in, um, you know, in, in rest and just being Mm -hmm. the feminine is being, and the masculine is doing. So I know I went off on a little bit of a tangent, but hopefully that gives a bit of an overview. Yeah, no, I love that. And and it all goes back to what I was just literally saying about, you know, even my own realization today that made me super emotional. I'm like, my life became better and I be, started receiving more by literally just enjoying, by mm-hmm. just doing, having hobbies, you know, just <laughs> taking a fucking nap. Even before this, like, I know for you, you're in Australia, so we're on opposite sides of the world, but it's seven o'clock at night for me. And I worked all day and I was fucking tired. So I'm like, I'm taking an hour nap before I do this, you know, and I'm going to rest and I'm going to get on there totally fueled. And prior to that, geez, I would never, I would never, I was like devoting morning to night. Like I would never rest. There was no rest. And now I'm like, no, I'm really tapping into her. I'm tapping into my feminine and Mm -hmm. I'm taking a rest. So I love that. So now, okay. You obviously, like you said, you, um, you had mentors yourself, right. Before you began doing your coaching. And so you were on a journey for a while of really understanding all of the different archetypes that you embody, even aside from the seductress. So what are some other archetypes that, cause maybe some women don't resonate with And I, again, I'm speaking to women because this is for the girls and we all know again, anyone, any energy, but this whole seductress archetype is one certain way, but there was others that I know you briefly mentioned as well. So what are, what are some others that maybe you embody anything that could be tangible and maybe help others understand what they connect with as well? Mm. Yeah. I just want to share like a little story because I I know that sometimes listening to this stuff, it can feel like the gap between where you are and where maybe I am feels so enormous. And you're like, I just can't relate to this. Right. I was not always this way. I remember going to my first feminine embodiment workshop where we went through different feminine archetypes, which I'll share in a minute. And everyone was like, like just breathing and sounding and connecting to their body. And I was like, they are so fucking obnoxious. (laughs) Like, why are you being so loud? Just breathe like a normal person. So I just want to share that as of like, that's where I started and now I'm here. So now you're like, breath work is my jam. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like now I teach women the same thing and I'm able to really hold women in their deep resistance because I fucking get it so much. So some of the archetypes that have been really, really helpful for me and that I probably connect to Well, I'll share some of the archetypes that have been really um, easy for me to tap into. And then some of the other ones that have actually been really challenging, but really beautiful. So for me, the ones that were pretty easy for me to access was the slut and the wild woman 
So the slut for me is someone who's very playful, curious. See, there's almost like a childlike wonder, right? Of like, oh my God, what is this? And really relishing in the pleasures of life, you know, like feeling your clothes on your skin and being like, "Mm, that feels really good. And there's this lighthearted quality to the slut. And that was, whereas the seductress, I feel is a little bit darker. I feel this very lighthearted quality to the slut. And, um, you know, sex is how adults play. It's how we play. And it doesn't have to be all serious and eye gazing and tantric healing for eight hours. Like sex gets to be fun. Self-pleasure gets to be fun. So that was one archetype. And then the other one was the wild woman, which was, oh God, I just fucking loved it because I do have this part of me that is incredibly fiery and passionate. And I, you know, the wild woman is all about the truth. She will destroy anything that is not the truth. And I think one of my superpowers is being able to cut through bullshit. And I'm extremely sensitive to when someone is saying one thing. And their energy is saying something different. I just put up a post about like, if you think you're safe and you're a people pleaser, you're not. People pleasers are the most unsafe people (laughs) ever. So those were two archetypes that were really easy for me to access. Two archetypes that were really challenging for me to access was the mother, which was all about safety, surrender, nurturing, empathy, just this open-hearted love. And I, that was a fucking struggle. Like I really struggled to get into that. And also like when I learned it, it was called the erotic mother. So feeling the eroticism of being a mother and I don't have physical children, but I am a mother because I'm birthing creations all of the time. And so you can still hold that archetype whilst not being a physical mother. And another, this was probably my most challenging archetype, which was the maiden, which is this pure, vulnerable, innocent, tender, little one, you know? And for me, when I first started this journey, vulnerability was like, yuck, ew, I don't do that. I really prided myself on being like a strong, independent woman. So that was really challenging. And I went through so much grief going through that archetype. And one more archetype that actually has been really fucking powerful for me is the queen. And that is, for me, the best way I can describe it, soft front, strong back. Because when people start to learn boundaries, they think it's this harsh, like, no, this is my boundary. And you either meet the standard or you fuck off. And I'm like, that's not it. Mm -hmm. You can deliver your boundaries with grace, actually. And so it's about having this open heart, this soft, open heart, love, compassion, empathy, whilst also maintaining your sovereignty and having a strong back and not taking any shit. That was a game changer for me. That, that for me, I feel like is now what I'm, what I've struggled with and I'm now powerfully like embodying myself. The way that you just explained that is so accurate. You know, I would consider like my prior self to be 
argumentative or defensive and the newer version of me not even the newer but just the more like embodied yeah like queen archetype embodied version of me is um way more I definitely don't want to say easygoing because I am certainly <laughs> I'm still a little on the high strung side but there's just a different way of communicating and it's more like I'm more understanding of things and it's just like yeah I don't have expectations so like if you you know don't ex- don't respect my boundaries or understand my boundaries that's okay we're just like not for each other like that's totally cool you know the prior version of me almost had expectations on people and felt like well, my desires, needs, standards, and boundaries are the only way. It's my way or the highway. And now something that I teach in my coaching is like, they are just as much human as I am. So their own boundaries, desires, needs, and standards are not always going to match mine. So if they, if we don't have the same understanding of each other, then we're just simply not compatible. I don't need Mm -hmm. to explain my boundaries or defend my, like, and get into this whole thing of like, you should do this or you should do that. It's just like, okay, like bless and release, you know, we're just simply not compatible. And that's okay, because no one, everyone has their own, you know, their own way, their own boundary, their own needs, their own desires, and they're not always going to correlate, they're not always going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, you don't have to be so compatible over it. It's just, okay, we're not compatible. And that's, that's cool, too. And that doesn't only even mean relationships, it just means in life, you know, business Mm -hmm. partners, uh, coaching clients, friends, followers like okay you know um so I love I love that that's actually huge I I, I'm curious what would be someone's way of like learning and doing these archetypes like would they need a coach or is this something that they could just make up their own like archetype and say yeah I'm doing this or how do they even learn what these archetypes are to discover what works for them you can totally make it up like the the thing is, right, because I used to have a program that actually was, I think it was five months. It was a five-month program on embodying these archetypes. Mm. And what would happen is I would share my download around them of like, you know, like this is this is what the queen means to me. And then they would do movement to embody this part of you. So if you're like, okay, I want to embody my queen, for instance. Okay. Well, rather than taking the masculine approach of trying to read all the books you can about the queen archetype, (laughs) why don't you take the feminine approach of like, how does that feel in my body? Like I notice, like, as I'm talking about it, I'm sitting up straight. My shoulders are open. My chest is open. I'm my head is held high, right? If I want to embody my queen, you know, I live in trackies basically, but like if I want to specifically tap into that that archetype, do I want to wear trackies right now or do I actually want to like maybe put on like a silk dress and some jewelry that makes me feel really like regal and beautiful and graceful and if I'm having a conversation with someone, how would I deliver this? How would I deliver this statement? Would I deliver it like short, sharp, the thing? Or would I actually maybe be a little bit softer? 
And this is what's so cool about it because it's not like now you've tapped into the queen or now you've tapped into the seductress and you shall only ever be that. It's like, no, like sometimes fuck no and fuck off is warranted. And that's when my wild woman comes out because she's like, I'm not standing for this. Yeah. So you're just like the ebbs and flows and you're just feeling what feels right. So it's really just a personal adventure through trying them all on almost and seeing like what fits and what doesn't, or at least like what's what fits easily and what takes a little bit more time. Because even for myself, you know, I had never heard of these archetypes. So I'm like, do I just decide the archetype I am? Or do I, you know, get a coach and have someone teach me? But that's again, that super action taking masculine energy. So I love that. um, You know, I, I love that way of saying, you know, you can feel it for yourself and that's really cool. And you can have a coach, like totally, you could totally get a mentor of like, Hey, I want to explore this part of me and have someone like guide you into what that means for them. Like, that's totally fine as well. It's just like, so many people want to read about the feminine. I'm like, that's not how you learn the feminine. (laughs) You can't learn her by reading her because she's an experience. Yes. Ooh, she's an experience. I that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. And that's literally for me, I would say what um, the only reason why I even identified where I was in the, my wounded and where I was in my divine was by experiences that I went through. No one taught me it. No one told me it. I didn't read about it. I felt it. I experienced it. I was emotional over it. I cried over it. I embraced it and I became it. So speaking of, you mentioned, um, you know, putting on silk dress and things like that and um, allowing yourself to, yes, feel that way. But someone also might hear that. I know some people are very literal. So someone might hear that and say, um, let's turn this into this sed- seductress um, energy and archetype for a second. Someone might turn mm-hmm. around and say, okay, now how do, how do I look like her? Or how do I, whatever, li- like her, I want to tap into that energy. But you even just said it yourself. You can also not even be conventionally attractive and you can still embody this and you can still um command you know the energy of a room what how explain all of this a little bit more so what really does make you know the seductress aside from you know just looks or things like that and how does she command, you know, the attention, the respect of people around her? Like, what does that really look like? Yeah. So it's so hard to describe something that isn't tangible, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's an energy. It's an energy, right? And you would know, like as a confidence coach, right? It's like, it has nothing to do with your fucking looks. It's like how you carry yourself, what you actually believe about yourself. You cannot tap into being like the most seductive version of yourself or the seductress if actually you believe like you're worthy of nothing and like actually you're a loser. Do you know what I mean? So it's tapping into this is about fully believing that you are worthy of everything. And actually like one of the shadows that I have had to navigate is entitlement of this like believing that I can have like whatever I want. And the way that it's come out in the past has been a very childish 
entitled demanding way, right? So there's a way of demanding attention. You walk into a room and it's like all eyes on me and you're pissy if you're not getting that, right? So you're not getting what you want and then you're throwing a tantrum by being a little brat, right? And I'm not saying that I'm any better because I have totally done that. It's been one of my biggest shadows to work with, but there is a gift in that. There is a gift in that. And that is the energy of the seductress of knowing that you are worthy and deserving of every single fucking thing that you want ever. Now, where you command it is knowing that whether or not this person gives it to you is irrelevant. It's actually irrelevant, right? You walk into a room and no one looks and it's fine. You don't drop your power. You actually hold it because a woman who's in her seductress energy knows her power. She holds her power. She doesn't go, oh, no one looked. Okay, then. And her shoulders slump and all of that, right? So the entitlement is like knowing that you are worthy and deserving of it all. And if you don't get it right in this particular moment, you're okay. You're not like completely spun out and dysregulated. So for me, that's how I embody it. it. And we've got to get out of this narrative that it is about how you look. And I know that's a really, it can be a difficult thing to hear because so much of what we see on the feminine, and again, like I'm part of this, is from cis, white, hetero, probably skinny young women on Instagram who are, you know, slutty dancing and whatever. And if you don't fit that narrative, and again, like I am part of that, right? But if you don't fit that narrative, it's like, well, fucking, can I do that? Like, can I embody that? And I'm like, yes, yes, you can. Yeah, Absolutely. Like they're, they're like you said, that something that's not tangible, they're making tangible because they're associating it with a body type with a face, with a hair color, a skin color. So they're identifying one type as feminine and it, it they're making it super surface level, super tangible. And if that's not feasible for you to physically do, you don't think that you can embody that. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, I just want to say like, stop looking for evidence of why you can't do it. Oh, well, I can't do it because she's like this and I'm not like that. Let's not look for evidence. Let's actually look for evidence of how that is completely possible for you. Because yeah, like, you know, my, I'm going to call it slutty dancing. Cause like, that's really what it is. My like slutty dancing, me sharing my embodiment practice on Instagram. People are triggered all the time. People unfollow me and unfollow me on the fucking regular because it's so triggering. And I'm like, that's fine. You can choose to be triggered and be like, oh my God, ew, I don't like that. I knew it because as soon as I saw you do it and you were so like whole, like and feeling so sexy in yourself, I'm like, I know for a fact people have a problem with this. Like I just, as soon as I saw you, cause even like I said, for me, I'm like, I, I, I'm not like that. I, I don't do that. Like, but I'm like, I'm inspired. And that's coming from someone who is confident in herself. And mm-hmm. unfortunately 99% of people are not. So when they see someone who's super empowered, it is, that's triggering. It's, it's a lot. 
even for me, like I was literally just talking to my girlfriend right before this, there's this chick on Instagram that I follow and I, I have gone to unfollow her a million times because she triggers the fuck out of me. And I'm like, no, Michelle, there's juice in this for you. And what it is, is like, she's even more sexually expressed than me. She's so deeply in her body from my perspective. And I'm like, oh my God, the gap seems so big. Like, holy (laughs) fuck. And I'm triggered because I'm like, I want to do that. I want to give myself permission to be that free. I want to feel that in my body. I want to feel like turned on by eating a fucking peach also, (laughs) you know? So like, you can exactly say I want to give myself permission to be that free. I want girls listening to that. Cause I know for you, this is just your average Wednesday or Thursday, but for someone <laughs> listening to that, that is a really big saying, like you just say things like that all the time, but that is really powerful. Like I want to give myself perm- permission to be that free women. I know myself included. We are so hard on ourselves about the mold that we have to fit and the things that, okay, is this feminine of me? Is this soft and light feminine of me? Or is that dark feminine of me? Like what, what is that of me? And it's just like, give yourself permission, allow yourself to be free and yeah. Allow Mm -hmm. yourself to go off course. Sometimes fuck up. Sometimes make mistakes. Sometimes learn from your experiences. Sometimes it's literally what makes us the most divine feminine that we could possibly be with that balance of, you know, the masculine who is risk-taking and adventurous. And, um, you know, we wouldn't be a human being without that, you know, side of us as well. Yeah. I, I love that. That was, that was powerful. Now, how does this, how does the understanding of your feminine energy and embodying your feminine energy play into dating. So I want to talk about the men and the masculine energy and what that all looks like. And so what parts is that relevant when it comes to dating? The most obvious thing is your capacity to receive. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you talk about it all the time, right. Of like not paying on dates and stuff like that. Like I, and I think we spoke about this in, in my episode also, but I hear it all the time from women of like, no, no, no. I always go Dutch. We always split, or I will offer to pay. And it's not about like, well, he's the man. Like for me, it's not about like, he's the man he's required to do this. It's just like, can you actually receive from, from a man? And, you know, I say this to my clients, you know, not allowing him to open the door babe, he knows you have arms. He doesn't think you're like incapable of opening a fucking door. He gets it. He's doing it to be in service to you, to actually be chivalrous and to like make you happy. Right. But if you cannot receive little things like that, free and clear compliments included, you cannot receive his love. And, you know, women think that like, a man wants someone who's super successful and all of these things. And like, that's beautiful, but what he wants to feel. And that's the key word. He wants to feel your heart. He wants to feel you. And if you're not connected to your emotional world, if you're not connected to your feminine, he can't feel you. You're just uh, another 
masculine being. And that's not to say you can't have a relationship, but it will be really lacking that depth and, you know, the masculine, his, you know, part of it is to like provide and protect. And you're actually being like, no, thanks. I don't want that. What you're actually saying is my masculine has a bigger dick than your masculine. So like, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> and you're in a cockfight with him. And, you know, the thing is, if you're leading up, if you're leading everything, you rob him of the chance to lead. So stop leading and allow yourself to surrender even sexually right it's like we're constantly thinking oh my god is he bored what do I look like in this angle oh my god I'm taking too long fuck should I just fake it like no babe just surrender be in your pleasure allow him to pleasure you it's um it's really important because he wants to feel you yeah it is quite often that women tend to attract emotionally unavailable men. It's almost like they are addicted to them. Why is that? Why are women so often attracting this? And why do they keep going for this? I love this. I love this question because (laughs) I had a history of attracting emotionally unavailable men. This is why I started doing this work, right? And even as I was doing this work, they were definitely improving, but they were still emotionally unavailable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I had to come to the really uncomfortable realization that I myself was emotionally unavailable because I was not connected Mm -hmm. to my emotions I would very similar to you be defensive and aggressive and what I was actually feeling was I was feeling hurt or I was feeling really sad or, or actually I was feeling angry, but I wasn't giving myself permission to feel that clean expression of anger. So it would come out as being a passive aggressive little bitch. Right. (laughs) And then, and then I also got to sit in the superiority of like, well, I'm the one doing the work. I'm the emotionally available one. I'm the emotionally intelligent one. And if you just got a therapist, we would be fine. Not realizing that no, that's a lie. Cause now I'm with a partner who is incredibly emotionally available and I don't get to feel superior anymore. I'm like, Oh fuck. But I attracted him because that's the the work. Right. And what I've seen as well is, and I actually just did a podcast episode on this, but women get addicted to the emotionally unavailable man because sometimes it's good. And when it's good, it's really good. He's very complimentary. I've never met anyone like you, you know, maybe even talking about plans for the future. Um, this, uh, you know, I hear this, but the sex, the sex is incredible. Yeah. Because it's toxic and that feels really exciting. And it's like being at a casino and losing, 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 oh. and then winning. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. And that's so addicting than winning consistently. Right. And so the guy who is consistent and who actually values and cherishes your heart feels really fucking boring. And really it's all a mirror. I know that I'm with my partner 
who loves me and adores me and would go to the ends of the earth for me because I started doing that for myself. I will go to the ends of the earth for me. I cherish my heart above all else. But so many women treat themselves like shit. They don't uphold their standards. And by the way, if you have high standards, but you're not upholding them, that's not a fucking standard. That's a preference. If you're not upholding your standards, you don't actually cherish your heart. So you're trying to ask someone to do something that you are unwilling to do for yourself. And that's just unfair. Wow. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) If you don't uphold your standards, that's a preference. I'm just sitting here like, keep it going. No, (laughs) literally. It's so true. You know what I started um, telling my clients? I said, start calling your standards requirements because they become much more tangible. And like, think about the word requirement. Like like, if you say this is a requirement, it just, it sounds so much more true and firm rather than like, you know, my standard would be I don't know. I'm going to make an example, like, like dinner dates, but he suggested, um, you know, going, I, I don't even know. He suggested going to coffee. So I just went because, you know, okay, well then you prefer to go to dinner. It's a preference, but it's not actually your standard because the standard means this is the, the standard procedure. Um, so if that's a a true standard, make it a requirement, not a standard. Um, and that was just, you know, a simple example, but It's so true. And I love what you said, because um, I do, uh, which we'll get into in a second, I do a Dear Victoria segment and somebody had been asking me for advice in her relationship. And she, she gave me a pros and cons list. And she said, just note, I know the cons are really bad, but the pros, when they're good, they're great. And the pro, the cons were so bad. I'm like, how do we even have a pros list at this point? Like the cons are so bad. I feel like, Um, I don't know why this just came to me, but I feel like it's like going to a restaurant and being like, look, 90% of the time I get diarrhea from this, but 10% (laughs) it's really delicious. So like, I'm going to risk it, babe. No, (laughs) stop. Yeah. It's like, there's a chance that this is going to hurt, but I'm going to go for it. Um, oh goodness. And, and girls, we get it because we've been in your shoes. That's why we, we talk like this, not to judge you or make fun of you. It's literally to look at our past and be like, what the fuck were we thinking? (laughs) So we're really just speaking from experience of having toxic or immature relationships. So that is my last question before for you, before we go into the Dear Victoria segment, um, this whole like immature masculine versus, you know, mature feminine, like how does all of that emotionally unavailableness tie into those energies? Like what even is the immature masculine? If you are trying to control everyone and everything around you, you are in your immature masculine right? This need to constantly go, 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 hustle, 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 control everything, um, compete, right? If you are competing with other women, I know that you have a wounded feminine and you feel that being in your masculine, your, your immature masculine is a lot safer, right? And so I see this all the time. It's probably the most common thing that I see, right? Of people trying to control their partners. And I don't mean controlling of like 
you know, you can't go out or, or whatever, but it's like these little things of like, that's not how you do it. Or like, or let me do it. Right. Controlling, criticizing, emasculating, all of these things are like this overbearing kind of immature masculine. And and again, that need to compete. And I don't know what it is about the word divine feminine that really gives me the ick, but like, I said, no, No, but it's true. I love referring to it that way because I find that like in the most literal sense, like being really in your feminine is a divine feeling. So like, I think Mm. to me, I like kind of connect it literally, like it's, it is divine and it feels Mm. divine to really be like in your mature feminine, but I can kind of understand and I can kind of see why you'd be like, yeah, let's stop saying that. Only like, I have no problem with it. It's only because I have a lot of like stuff with, you know, people being like the divine feminine and like, you must have a $300 rose quartz wand. If you want to like tap into like that whole thing that I just feel it's a little like, like foo-foo. Exactly. Yeah. But this like being in your mature feminine, this like real grown up regal feminine, she has no interest in competing because she's like, yeah, like I celebrate you as you are. That's you're a fucking, here we go. Divine being in your own right, as am I. And I feel no need to compare or compete with you. And rather than criticizing in every criticism, there's a desire. So rather than being like, I don't like this, that you're doing, she speaks as of like, what I would love is Mm. this. And that's a huge thing, particularly in the bedroom, rather than I don't like it. When you do this, it's actually what I would love is if you could do more of that. Mm, yum. I think it, it goes like, even back to the demanding thing that you were saying before, you know, like instead of demanding what would be better, it's like I would, or, or rather than even demanding what would be better, it's more like demanding what's not working and, you know, rephrasing it into embracing what, yeah, would be better or what I would prefer or what would feel better for me. Totally. Because if you're demanding or criticizing and all of these things, um, the other person is immediately going to get defensive and because they're feeling too. attacked. Like just like totally. that's unattractive. Totally. I know I've done that. Oh, same. <laughs> same. I, 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 know I, know for sure. I know for sure I've pushed guys away when I was way more like you said, almost a little like entitled or how I was saying I had expectations on people. And it's like, I would love to tell someone like what they were doing wrong. Like, I don't know what was wrong with me that I just loved telling people what they were doing was wrong. And now I like give myself the ick. I'm like, what was I doing? And it's usually just a projection of how we feel about ourselves. Also, when we're constantly seeing what's wrong with what people do, we're usually always seeing what's wrong with ourselves also. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So now getting into the whole sexual part, because I love that you are really confident in this and comfortable in this. Uh, Like I mentioned, I have a Dear Victoria segment and someone sent me 
a pretty long-winded, but you know, a, a situation asking for advice. And I would just love to share it with you and have you give her your feedback. And if there's anything, you know, I want to add, I'll, I'll get in there after you, but I'm going to put this on you first. So, um, here we go. Okay. She says, dear Victoria, I'll try to make this short, but here's a bit of background for my question. I've had an unhealthy relationship with sex since high school. It's been somewhat painful or uncomfortable at times. I was told by my parents that sex was bad when I was younger, and it really gave me a lot of shame and guilt around the act. I've had some good experiences with patients and with patient and kind guys in college that I was close to, but I've also had a lot of bad experiences that have traumatized me and even make me turn away from sex with my current boyfriend of two years. I've worked on figuring out what I like and what feels good for me, but it's never penetration. That's what scares me and has been painful, but that's really the only way it feels good for my boyfriend. So I've been doing it at my own pace. He's been supportive and says he wants it to feel good for me, but I just really don't know how to make penetration something that I want. Basically, does bad slash not so great sex mean that it's the wrong person or could it mean I just have a lot of inner work to do? Okay, this is so good. Um, no, I don't think that it necessarily means that it's the wrong person. If we're talking about that, I would, you know, you have to look at, do I like this person's smell? That's actually a big thing. Like biologically, Mm -hmm. if you don't like how they smell, it's not going to get better. If the sex is terrible from the beginning and it's never gotten better, it might not. But I actually think this has nothing to do with the relationship and all about your relationship to yourself. So a couple of things that really stood out to me, this, what your parents told you about sex is sex is wrong. Sex is bad. All of that starting to unpack that and rewire that and actually start to create a new belief system around, you know, sex is beautiful. Sex is sacred. Sex is how we play. I am safe during sex. Like actually starting to do mindset work around it. That's like your first point of call, because if you, you can do all the embodiment work that you want, but if you still believe that sex is bad, it's not going to do anything. So starting to look at your belief systems. The other thing that I want to say is I love that you've started to to figure out what you like and what turns you on. That's so beautiful. That's what we would call an accelerator, right? So if you think of a car, that's like the gas pedal, right? Like what's going to get it to move? Yes, let's go. But if your foot is also on the brake, it's not going to go anywhere. So finding what turns you off. But what I'm hearing here is actually you're not feeling safe. And I don't even necessarily mean you don't feel safe with your partner, but I mean, you don't feel safe within you, with your own body. So I would start, if I were with you, I would want to ask about your self-pleasure practice. Are you actually spending time with yourself? Because if you can't feel safe with you, you cannot feel safe with another. It's just not going to happen, right? So starting to look at that and I would really recommend working with a somatic psychotherapist or a sexological body worker, somatic experiencer, someone like that, like a trauma therapist who can actually help you to unpack this. 
I really, if it's accessible to you, I know this is illegal in some places, but working with someone like a sexological body worker who can actually physically help you um, with penetration and, you know, do some pelvic floor work, all of that stuff. Using the tools of breath, movement, touch, and sound to actually get into your body and start to rewire this so you can actually surrender because what what happens and this is what I experienced after working in the sex industry for so long which is like also from having pushed my boundaries so many times of saying yes when I actually meant no which was another thing that stood out to me in this share of like it's the only way my boyfriend feels good so I just do it Mm. don't (laughs) don't um because that's creating further trauma and so what can happen is your, your vagina, like literally you're anticipating that it's going to be painful. And so the muscles of your vagina contract and tighten, and then you're penetrated and then it hurts and you have to stop. And so what happens the next time you're anticipating pain. So it just keeps you in this cycle. So actually the best thing that you can possibly do, my love is to slow down is to actually deeply, deeply, deeply listen to your no of your body. And this might take quite some time for you to rewire, which is why I say, please work with someone if that's available to you um, so that you can start to rewire this. Cause yeah, you're not broken. Nothing's wrong with you. Nothing needs to be fixed, but, but this is big shit to traverse. So that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's so true that like the mind, cause women, when it comes to sex, at least my, for, from my experience are so much more in their head. Men are just like testosterone filled beings and can just <laughs> go. And women are so it's all in the head first. So I think about how many times like you just said, you say yes, when you mean no, and then you have just a terrible sexual experience. And you even get in your own head of like, I underperformed, or I wasn't good for them or whatever it was, because you didn't even want to do it. So you were tense, you were uncomfortable, you were awkward, you were in pain. And then you just know it wasn't a pleasant experience. And then it turns around and you're like, did that feel good for them? Like, what Mm -hmm. the fuck just happened? Like, literally, what the fuck just happened? You're over here now, insecure and worried that that was unpleasant for them as you just put yourself through fucking torture like that it's so it's so scary and hence my celibacy that I'm still (laughs) going strong with um and I want to say the one other part to her question because I I like this part too because she asked a million more things but I'm going to just end it with this one she said and one more thing is how do you implement new boundaries around things like sex or the way that you want to be treated when you've been in a relationship for two years, because keep in mind, this relation, this guy that she's talking about is her boyfriend for two years. So I get why that might feel like it's almost like it's too late now. It's too late to start again. So how would you implement new boundaries around this? It's never too late. I have worked with women who have been in marriages for 10, 15 years, and they're just starting to up-level their standards and their boundaries. If this person is as safe and as patient and as loving as you say he is, which I really hope that he is, he's going to be understanding, you know, like when I, cause I resonate with this 
you know, like not really around sex is bad, but like, um, because of working in the sex industry, that, that, um, tension. So I've had to really slow down. And so me saying to my partner, like, I actually need so much more time. And he's like, yeah, babe, like whatever you need, even if you don't want penetration at all, like perfect. Um, just tell me. And so I really think it's, it's setting the space of, you know, this is what's going on for me. And I'm trying to really unpack this. And I think I need a little bit of a break and I need to slow right down. And what I would love is just for us to have that open communication where I can say like, Oh, I'm not ready yet. Or actually this is a big one. And people feel like, ew, I don't want to do this. It feels so forced, but could you actually check in with me before you penetrate me in any sort of way? Because what, what happens for a lot of women is they're penetrated and they go into freeze and can't say no. So having that moment of, Hey, are you ready? Gives you a moment of pause of like, Oh no, actually I need more time. Could you do this? Or actually I don't want any penetration. So to that, it's never too late. And if you have the beautiful relationship that you say that you do, just communicate it and share really vulnerably about what's true for you. Yeah. I mean, that's literally all communication is really the answer to everything. Like if you don't express your needs, he might not even know that you're struggling or suffering. You know, he might think it's something as little as like, oh, maybe she's, you know, she's not feeling well today. If you're just like, oh yeah, this doesn't feel great right now, but not actually how deeply rooted it is. I mean, all the way back to, like she said, she grew up hearing sex is bad and whatever. So this could just be 20 years worth of, you know, bottled up feelings that have you super tense. And if you're not communicating how severe the, the way that you emailed me with this paragraph about these detailed feelings and thoughts, if you're not communicating that way with him, because we all know sometimes it's a lot easier to tell a friend than to tell the person, then he really just might not even know how serious it is. He might just think, yeah, you were in a bad mood one day or you didn't feel great one day, but he's going to keep going. You know, if he is, like you said, patient and great and kind, he's just going to keep going and keep penetrating you and having sex with you all the time because he might not know that you're like actually internally suffering and struggling. And I think that through all of these things that we talked about, the mature feminine, uh, see, I switched up my words there, the mature feminine, um, and all of these different archetypes that are powerful. I think one of the key things that they do is they express their needs and they make it damn clear what makes them feel good physically, emotionally, mentally, internally, externally, and all of the above. So that's, that's super important. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Well, this was a lot of fun. This was amazing. Please tell the girls, Michelle, where they can find you, where they can connect with you, what you're offering. I know you have like different coaching programs and whatnot. So lay it all out there, whatever they can do with you. Okay. So the first place you can connect with me is on Instagram at Michelle Panning. Um, I'm always, you can come watch me slutty dance on my stories. <laughs> I love <laughs> I it. Michelle's my favorite new follow. I love following you. <laughs> I love this. Um, I also have a podcast where I'm talking about all things, love, sex, and relationships called unfuck your relationships. It's very on brand for me. Um, and then I also have a couple of programs coming out. So if you are wanting to navigate dating and actually have standards, not preferences, and learn how to date 
like someone who is a fucking queen and actually embody that archetype. I have a program coming up that comes out mid-November called Swipe Right. And then we've got my signature program called The Connected Woman, which is really like shadow work for relationships. Mm. If you want to connect to yourself and go from feeling anxious as fuck to feeling confident, worthy, and secure, that is the program. And then there's one in January called Main Character Energy, which is, yeah, about becoming like delusionally and obnoxiously fucking confident and stop being a supporting character in your own life and become the main character. And you can bundle all of those together and get a huge discount if you want. That's amazing. I love, I love that. All right, girls. So one thing I want to clarify though, because I do listen to your podcast. So even just as a listener that has searched you, make sure that when you guys type unfuck, you put the little star instead of a U because I've typed unfuck with a U and you don't come up for me. So I, you have to put the, it's un F star, like asterisk star C. Okay. I might have to change my podcast name. <laughs> yeah. Because I like, people are going to be typing out unfuck and there's other things that come up. And so, yeah, unfuck is censored. So you might want it. You might want to, Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but Thank girls you. for the most part, at least for right now, search it that way. I want to make sure that they can actually find you before anyone starts DMing me. She doesn't come up on Spotify or, but I ready. I can see it now. Uh, thank you so much, Michelle. This was amazing. Thank you so much.